I would also be frustrated if I was only wanted for my asshole. <laughs> The United States Supreme Court has described it as dirt for dirt's sake. We describe it as dirt for money's sake. Homosexuals, lesbians, sadists, masochists, and other sex deviants. This moral decay weakens our resistance to the onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. And this is... You like that? The podcast where I make Katie watch Golden Age pornography and talk about it. The year is 1983. Reagan is president, and the feminists and Christians have made an unholy alliance to fight against smut. In spite of all that, porn is very popular. Playboy, Penthouse, and Hustler are ranked as the 14th, 17th, and 57th largest magazines in the U.S., distributing a total of 9 million copies between the three of them. Film is falling out of fashion, and video is on the rise, but you wouldn't know it watching Mascara. Written and directed by Henri Pichard, Mascara was released just two years before the official end of the Golden Age, but it is, without a doubt, a capital F film. Shot over five days in New York City, Mascara showcases Lisa DeLeo in a much-deserved starring role and co-stars Lee Carroll, Arbola, Lisa Centrice, and Bobby Astor. There's plenty of tits and ass and a good amount of dick, but a distinct lack of developed male characters, and that's a good thing. The movie focuses on the relationship between two women, a board secretary and brash sex worker, two characters that could have easily been flattened and tropified if not for Bouchard's a tour-like control over the film. The men are there to stay hard and move the plot along, which is great because the plot is pretty heavy. So, Katie, have you watched any good pornography? Sorry, porn recently. Well, yeah, I watched mascara. Besides mascara? No. Really? No. You haven't been on any of the tube sites at all? I haven't had time. Oh. I'm sorry, that's really bad. No, I have not been get. <sighs> that's all right. You want to hear what I've been doing? Yeah, let's hear it. It's kind of... I think it's actually like one of the more fucked up things that I've been doing, which is I've basically been treating, I've been doom scrolling Pornhub. Oh no. <laughs> what does that like, mean? What does that mean? Where like I, d I never pick a video. <laughs> I never pick a video. I just scroll forever until I come. What? Yeah, I know. It's dark. I so think you're just, so basically you're just looking at the teasers. Yeah. Okay. Teaser after teaser after teaser. Interesting. Well, it's a little flavor of everything. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, it's like a porn buffet. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's kind of monotonous in a way, because it's all, oh, a lady stuck in a, oh, dish, not a dishwasher, but like a, <laughs> I was going to say, your algorithm is well, no, very but different from mine. <laughs> have you not seen the ones where the women get stuck? No. <laughs> Seen that. Uh, she's under the couch. Oh no, whatever will she do? I guess her stepson will How fuck her or whatever. How'd she get under there? What? How'd she get under there? She like dropped an earring or something. And then she's, I've never been stuck under a couch personally. I got stuck in a dog door once. Oh no. <laughs> but nobody fucked me That's while I was in the really do funny. dog door. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a niche served by Pornhub. Oh, it sure is. But I guess there's something something for everybody. But anyway, that's what I've been doing. Okay, so I guess since this is the only good porn you've seen recently, or the only porn you've seen recently, why do you think I wanted you to watch this movie? I, I rewatched Mascara today, actually, and 
it's one of my favorite films, I think. Like, not just, like, one of my favorite porn, one of my favorite porns, but it's, like, actually one of my favorite movies. And I think that it's really easy to kind of forget that you're watching a porno until all the fucking happens. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's so beautiful. It's so well made, and it feels like such a real movie that, yeah, you do kind of forget you're watching porn until there's a dick. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. Until a man enters the picture. <laughs> Until there's a man there. <laughs> yeah. They just, uh, and they just, they, they're props. The men in this movie are, are props. That's they are. the best way to put it, I yeah. think. And I think they're used quite effectively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're- and they're big name props, too. Like, Arbola was a pretty big name. I mean, Ron Jeremy is there. And uh, Bobby Astor, the clown prince of porn the one who's married to the dominatrix. Right. He was not Great only... scene. Yeah, he's fantastic. He was also married to Samantha Fox, who was a good friend of Lisa DeLeo's. Um, so yeah, there's just like a lot of star power, but like it really is about the relationship between the two women. Yeah. So I also realized that there's another movie titled Mascara. Oh, the John Waters movie? With Charlotte Rampling. Yeah. That came out also in the 80s. Yeah. But it was like this... Mascara, our mascara came out, what, 87? 83. 83. Yeah. 87, 89? I haven't seen the John Waters one, but I doubt it's the same plot line. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well. Have you seen it? No. All right. Well, we can't comment on that then. (laughs) We'll watch that later. Yeah. Before we discuss the movie more, I want to get into the actor background, particularly our girl, Lisa DeLeo. First of all, let me start by saying she is not dead. There was a rumor that she died of AIDS, but she didn't. She is alive. She just doesn't want to be found, doesn't want to talk about her career. So don't try to find her. Don't harass her. But there are a lot of, like, kind of slut-shamey, drug-blamey rumors out there saying she died of AIDS because of, like, using a dirty needle and bullshit like that. So I just want to say, stop saying that. It's not true. She's not dead. She did not die of AIDS. How did that... What? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not very nice. No, it's not very, it's not very nice to say <laughs> someone is dead when they are not dead. Uh, but she also, like, we'll get into this in a little bit, but she had had this interview with uh, Richard Pacheco, which the Rialto Report published, and I think it was in 1987, where she was like, yeah, every time I disappear for a while, I'm either dead or I've had another kid. She's like, I'm up to five kids at this point because people just... If there is an informational vacuum, people are going to fill it with bullshit. Yeah. But anyway. Mind your fucking business. (laughs) Mind your business and leave Lisa alone. Lisa DeLeo was born Lisa Trago on February 12th in 1958 in Moline, Illinois. While she described herself as a Midwestern farm girl, I think she is probably the most idealized version of that. She was buxom, lush, with beautiful red hair and freckles. But she was also quick-witted with a really dry sense of humor and incredible comedic timing. And she can really act. In that interview with Pacheco, which has since been published on the Rialto Report, DeLeo recalls selling cars as a teen, only to be fired for refusal to give backseat test drives. What? What is that? She wouldn't fuck people in the back of the cars. Oh, what? That's... Unless there's another definition of backseat test drive, that is what I interpret it to be. Oh, no. Yeah, so that's not very nice. She moved to Los Angeles in 19, where she started nude modeling to make some money. Her first adult movie was 800 Fantasy Lane, which was written and directed by Svetlana 
who was very notorious for being not great to work with. Like In what way? Well, Lisa said that they were doing 20-hour days. They were being fed cold hot dogs and cold coffee. She uh, passed out at one point under some really hot lights because they were filming in like a warehouse with no windows. So it wasn't a good experience. I have seen part of the movie, and it's okay. She has a pretty good scene with Jamie Gillis early on. She did, however, accidentally get her nose broken in another scene with Jamie Gillis. He was playing a lion tamer, and he had this whip, and all the girls are, like, dressed like tigers and lions, and I think Lisa's painted like a leopard. They should have let her be the lion because DeLeo literally means the lion right. in Dutch. And right. actually, if you, if you watch Mascara, you'll see she's wearing a little lion pendant. Oh. And she does that in a lot of her films, which is very cute. Oh, that's very cute. But they made her a leopard for some reason. And so this was after she had passed out under the hot lights. And so I guess Fetlana's like, all right, you can just like hang out in the background and just like roar a bunch. So she's doing that. And at one point, you know, things get crazy. She gets like kind of pulled into the scene. Jamie's flinging this whip around and the handle hits her in the nose. But she- <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. But she said, instead of crying like a little girl, she grabbed the whip and started just dragging Jamie around and cussing him out. And of course, Svetlana was like, this is great. Let's keep this footage. Oh, God. So like, not, you know, kind of a toxic work environment. Unionize your workplace, people. (laughs) I would love to do a whole offshoot episode about unions and the porn industry. You know what? Let us know if you want an episode. on. Maybe we could do it as bonus content. I think that would be a good bonus episode. But anyway, she later worked with Jamie and she said he was very sweet, but she had to take him aside and say like, Jamie, if you hurt me in any way, I will literally castrate you. And then she told Richard in that interview that he behaved because he didn't want to go through life as a soprano. Oh, no. Yeah. But her overall take on him was that, you know, you just have to put him in his place and let him know what you will tolerate and what you will not tolerate. And I think this kind of, like, speaks to how she was well-suited for the industry. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't take any bullshit from anyone. She stuck with porn because it was very good money and she enjoyed the acting. And she was very good at acting. She's very professional, she didn't take any shit. She liked sex. She liked getting paid to have sex on film. But she took it very seriously. And she said the high point of her career was getting a Critics' Choice Award for the Best Supporting Actress in Amanda By Night, which we will cover at some point. It's also worth noting that she was one of the first women to sign an exclusive deal. And hers was with Vivid Video. So she's like, she's a big deal. And she was kind of like just a consummate professional, newer lines, incredible actress. She's such an amazing actress. She's so good. I think that's one of the things that makes this, it makes you, it kind of like takes you out of the pornographic setting. Cause I think that some of these, like porn has a tendency to be like pretty campy and like the dialogue isn't very believable, but you know, she sort of makes you believe you are watching a real, well, I mean, it is a real film. <laughs> right. A, it's a film, but, but a straight movie. But yeah. Yeah. Because at some point, I even feel like, like I felt like I was watching her. Like it felt too personal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm watching a real person right. go through something. Right. Like you forget that this is porn and that she is acting. Her favorite director was actually Henri Pichard, who directed this movie, because she said he was an actor's director. And he really was. He was one of those guys who got into making porn because he wanted to make movies. And it was just a lot easier to make porn movies than it was to make regular movies. 
He could make them a lot faster. He didn't have to deal with the studio. He just like just liked making movies. Yeah, yeah. She had a boyfriend when she started making adult films, and apparently he was very excited about her being in the movies at first because she was like the hot young thing and everybody wanted a piece of her. They did get married, but then later they got divorced because he sat at home and collected all the money she was making and also kept harassing her to find parts for him in porn films. What? Which is not really how that works. No. Like, you know, it's hard enough to find parts for yourself, but then to like, oh, could you like cast my husband? Like, that's just... Tacky. Yeah, it's very tacky. Very tacky. Not a fan. No. So she said they had a parting of the ways over that. In 87, during the interview with Pacheco, she said she was then married to a rock star who probably got laid more than her. I could not find out who that rock star was, however. Oh, no. But I kind of want to know. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a fun rabbit hole to explore. But also good for her. Like, it seems like she's like, yeah, I have a, like, it seems like she has a very healthy attitude towards sex. And relationships. Healthy in what way? Well, like, it seems like she had an open marriage. She's saying her rock star husband probably got laid more than her, than she does. She obviously, you know. Right. It's not like she didn't seem. She's not possessive. Yeah, she didn't seem possessive. Or, or jealous. Like, if there was any jealousy, it was like she wanted to get laid more. But <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think she probably got. I think she was probably happy with the amount of sex she had. She did eventually take some time off from acting, and she said it was right around the time everyone started getting super into anal, and she was kind of on the verge of a nervous breakdown. She said it was frustrating because everyone had hired her as an actress for so long, and now they just wanted her for her asshole. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, so it goes. (laughs) So it goes. (laughs) I mean, it was the 80s. What is there to say about that? Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) I would also be frustrated. If I was only wanted for my asshole. (laughs) Are you sure? I mean. I mean, it's nice. That's a nice compliment, you know, right? But only your asshole? (laughs) Fair. Just your ass, like you have no other good qualities. (laughs) That's the only one. Okay, yeah, like reframing it that way. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the highest compliment. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to be appreciated yeah. in any context. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Even if it is your butt. <laughs> Take them where you get them, right? She did produce some films. She produced a series of films with Ginger Lynn, but she found it to be more trouble than it was worth, especially when she was also acting in the film. She said she never realized what a pain in the ass actors were until she had to deal with them on the other side of the camera. <laughs> And one really funny quote, she's like, I'd be like, would you please get your pussy up here, honey? We don't have all night. Oh, no. She later transitioned into dancing and public appearances, which were more lucrative and less time consuming than films. But she was never regretful or embarrassed about her time in the industry. She told Pacheco she would never look down on it. And she was really not impressed with Linda Lovelace's pivot to making money by degrading the business. She said working in adult films was very good for her self-esteem very good for her confidence and she had made some really great friends including samantha fox and vanessa del rio she was also the voice of a first amendment campaign that would appear before adult films and she would speak to various women groups about her positive experiences in porn she thought going to x-rated films watching the whole film and then staying to cut the girls down was pretty low and she didn't stand for hypocrisy she said i don't get laid just to get a job my job is to get laid and at least i'm open and honest about it Good for her. And that's Lisa. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's nice. She's a special lady. I think she's a special lady. Yeah. I just, I just love her, you know. <laughs> Speaking of Lisa's, we were lucky enough to sit down with Lisa Centrice, who plays Marianne in the film. 
how did I get in the adult industry? This is interesting. I was married. So I had a very interesting childhood and I'm not going to really get into it, but my dad was a wise guy. He was in federal prison. I was pregnant at 16 and I ended up marrying someone during that time who was 10 years older than me. Then when I was 18, he was throwing punches at my face and my father was still in prison. So his sister, this is bizarre, okay? His sister was one of the owners of Melody. I didn't know any of this at the time. She was, she saw her brother abusing me and she called me and she, she was like in her thirties and she was a successful businesswoman. And she's like, you know, do you want to, I, I, my friend, Peter Wolf has this magazine, we magazine, and he's looking for models. Take your shirt off. If you want to do it, I'll bring him your pictures. And I got the gig. I was, I was an elf in a Christmas catalog. So I had on like a little <laughs> Christmas shirt and no top and I was showcasing items. Okay. And I was leaving her brother, obviously. And I didn't really know what I was going to do. So I joined the army. I don't know. And I had like eight months to go. So his sister was like, do you want to do these pictures? I do it. I get the gig. Then I go to Bernard's in New York City. I don't know if you've ever heard of the legend of Bernard's Bar where all the porn people hung out on 48th and 8th oh, across no, from the strip club. Okay, so I ended up getting that. And then I met Ken, who's the guy I work with in Mascara, who was making a movie called, and please don't go see it. It's horrible. A movie called The Star Maker. He, Ken was Seika's ex-husband. I don't oh. know if you know who Ken is, he's like a pimp. So we shoot the star maker. Okay, so I get, so that he meets me and he wants to make this movie about someone else that is new getting in porn because Seika left him. And he's woe is me. And then he has tryouts and I'm like the secretary and you know, the you know, it's the typical porn story. So we did that, but I was, I was supposed to leave for the army. It, like it, we shot in October, I was supposed to leave in November. And this was my claim to fame. This is why I worked after Star Maker. It's the only reason. So I want to get out of the army and I'm telling Peter Wolf, who was the editor of We Magazine, who was kind of like my mentor and Richard Milner from Stag and Men Magazine, who was someone else I met that was a decent person. And I'm like crying, like I went to the army. I said, look, I made a porn. I don't think you're going to let me come in as military police. Oh, no, just don't disrespect the army. So I went back like crying to Peter Wolf. They're telling me they're going to take me even after I did it, you know, this. And Peter's like, I got a plan. I don't, did you, do you know about this? I do, but I don't think Katie does. Okay. So, so Peter and Richard arrange for a bunch of photographers and they called in a press release to the recruiting station in Times Square, Manhattan. You know, on that triangle, the only thing that's there is the recruiting station. Peter had all these photographers show up. And then of course there was a big crowd because there were photographers. And I basically stripped in front of the recruiting station I basically flashed. I didn't get like all naked, right? I didn't want to go to jail. I didn't know what was going to happen during this. And so the next day on page one of the Daily News was me with my shirt open and a black thing over my boobs. And of course, like my dad's partners see it, you know, Lisa Benasco. 
And at that point, it was like, fuck it. I'm just, I'm just going to keep making movies because, like, I was just in the paper. Like, I don't think I was going to get a good office job. Right. <laughs> when it was, and then I was on the Tom Snyder show. And then, of course, photo shoots with me with fake recruiters and, you know, just, you know, it goes along with all that. So, yeah. So I caught in Debbie Does Dallas. I'm an army cheerleader. So that was, you know, I was only in the industry for right under two years, but I made nine movies. That's it. Wow. Just two years. Yep. That's incredible. Um, Why did you leave? The drugs. The drugs. Okay. The drugs. It was, you know what? It was an unsustainable lifestyle for me. I had just turned 18. Wow. Just turned 18. Because remember, I got married when I was 16. Right. You know, and I was just a kid. My father was in prison. My mother worked a lot. Yeah. So I, I got divorced. I didn't know where to go. I didn't want to move back home. Right. I'm a thick-headed, I've always been a thick-headed child and adult. But I wasn't going to move home. So right. I just thought, you know what? Okay, I'll fuck for a living. That's awesome. And that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> that's an iconic story. It really <laughs> is. Just well, the whole thing. Just imagine my family, though. Like, I come from an Italian family. Right. So oh, man. I didn't tell anybody. They, they, nobody knew. I, they knew I was in the city, but they didn't know I did that layout or I was doing porn. They didn't know any of that. How did they react when they found out? So my mother, interestingly enough, my mother called me up and she said, I wish I had your ball. I mean, my mother was actually supportive. She came to a couple of my shows with one of my movies and let the audience ask her questions. Oh, that's so Um, nice. She was like cool as fuck about it. My dad was more upset, surprisingly enough, that I, they used my name, Lisa Venasco in the newspaper and let me tell you what my dad said and this this was just irony he goes lisa i don't care that you did that but bambi woods that's not her real name why'd you give him your real name and i was thinking he don't know i just fucked bambi woods last week can he bring her oh that's incredible going back to mascara briefly so the the man you share a scene with is Seika's ex-husband? Yes, he's in, but I, yeah, can you imagine? And, but he tried to be my pimp. So after Star Maker, I was started dancing at the Melody. And I, I, I listen, when I did my first movie, I thought a blowjob was you blew on the dick. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm so serious. I'm so serious. You know what? That seems like it would be a common mistake though, you know? I, I mean, I was so, like, I had to ask a lot of questions and shit, but Ken tried to take my money, like half my money, and he was going to manage me, and it's like, no, 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 no. So as soon as we were done with Star Maker, I was done with him, but I already committed to mascara. Okay. So uh. I, I, and because one thing my dad always instilled in us, if it makes sense, because my dad was a wise guy, is you keep your word, and... I agreed to do that movie with Ken. So I did that movie and I made the best of it. Did you make any good friends in the industry? Yes and no. You know, I did. There's definitely a sisterhood in that industry. Um, 
a lot of people are broken or they're in it for broken re- or some people are just in it for the money because they're smart and they're not going to do drugs, you know, but there's definitely a sisterhood. There's definitely a bond that we all share because back then, unlike now, back then there was only a total of maybe 200 people tops that worked in that industry. And that included the people in California doing loops. So it was just us and it was a unique lifestyle. Um, versus now where it's very accepted. There's millions of webcam girls, you know, everybody's got to outdo each other. And so there's, there was definitely a bond that everyone in the industry shared. Even if people don't like each other, you still respect each other. Before we get further into the discussion of the movie, I'm just going to give a quick spoiler alert. Once again, this movie has been out longer than I've been alive. So if you haven't seen it by now, that's not really our problem. But if you want to <laughs> see it first, pause this, go watch Mascara. It's on the various tube sites. You can find it pretty easily. And then come back and we'll be here. And you should. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Incredible you, film. It's And there's much to discuss. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can tell, but Katie liked this one a little more. <laughs> Than the opening of Misty Beethoven. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Katie, could you real quick, could you sum up the plot of this movie? Sure. So we have Harriet. The movie opens. She's riding the train to her shitty job. I think that she's, what, an assistant? Yeah, like a secretary. Yeah. And I think we can all relate to the sentiment of your job making your, you know, kind of dead-end job making you feel dead inside. (laughs) Mm-hmm. She's clearly unhappy. She's just very restless in her own life. And she has this sexual proclivity, a real hankering for <laughs> for promiscuity, I think. Yeah, and for experiences. Right. Like sexual experiences that she has not. I think it's more feelings. Like I think she wants to feel something. She tells Lucy at one point, she says, I want to experience the things, all of the things that I've heard about. Right. She says that repeatedly. Yeah. When they start having their conversations about, like, Lucy taking her on as, like, a mentee. And what's Lucy's role in this? Lucy is a sex worker who is fucking her boss. Right. um, Harriet's boss. Who is a very silly character. The boss? Just an absolute clown of a man. We'll get to him in a moment. First of all, I will not accept any Arbola slander. <laughs> First of all, I love that man. We'll, we'll talk more about him and his acting abilities when we get to that scene. But yes, it, it, he's, a, he's funny. He is funny in this movie. So Lucy takes Harriet under her wing, opens her up to new experiences, and then we, the film is really about their relationship and how it progresses. Yeah, and the dynamic between the two of them is fascinating to watch yeah they just have insane on-screen chemistry like their their narrative is so believable that's you know the thing that I keep saying like that pulls you out of the mindset that you're watching a fuck film like right. it it very much feels like you are just watching a movie yeah when people talked about how they hoped there would be crossover and that eventually just sex would be in regular movies like this to me is that right like exactly this is what I think everyone should have been aiming for yeah I think this would have been like the logical conclusion of that obviously that did not happen but I just think it's it's such a perfect example of the kind of sexual cinema or like whatever you want to call it we could have had that we we don't have unfortunately well, it's 
Pornographic high art yeah. is what it is. Yeah, or erotic. We could use the word erotic. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's erotic high art. All right. Before we go break it down scene by scene, we're going to do the cum count. And real quick, I just want to give a shout out to Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, his drive-in totals is what inspires the cum count. He'll watch a horror movie and tell you, like, how many boobs, how much sex, how many beheadings you're going to see. So this is like that, but the porn version. Yeah, we couldn't leave the cum count out. No, people love the cum count. God forbid. I've actually gotten a lot of very positive feedback about oh, the good. cum count. People oh, love it. so glad. <laughs> yeah. Great. So don't, don't you dare. <laughs> Here we go. Disparage the cum count. All right. We've got eight cum shots, seven instances of penetrative sex, seven blowjobs, four female orgasms, four instances of cunnilingus, four hand jobs, three three ways, three instances of ass eating, two instances of finger fucking, two instances of dildo fucking, one lesbian scene, one instance of panties in the mouth, one boob job, and one instance of anal fingering. All right. That's the cum count. Far, far fewer blowjobs in this movie than the last one. You won't hear a complaint from me. Yeah. So at the beginning of the movie, like you said, we've got this, we're on the subway. We've got her hand. She's holding onto the safety bar or whatever it's called. And actually the director, Henri Prichard, is in the subway. He's the guy wearing the hat and chewing gum. Oh, right. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Is that the guy that like knocks her foot? Maybe. I just know it's the guy with the, with the baseball cap chewing gum. I just thought that was like such an interesting thing to include as like a shot from this scene. Like it makes you feel so claustrophobic. Like it reminded me so much of riding the MTA. I was about to say, did it remind you? I was just about to ask, did it remind you you of your time in New York? It did. Yeah. It's almost like the city itself is a character. That's right. (laughs) That's right. I also, I really like the original music. I feel like a lot of people expect all porn, especially 70s and early 80s porn, to have that like, bow, chicka, wow, wow. Yeah. And it's really not in that many films. Right. It's not in everyone. And like this one actually, I think, has very like beautiful, ambient, kind of like almost spooky music. Yeah. Like it's a little foreboding, but I just think it's, I think it's very nice. So Harriet takes the subway to her job at T&A Imports. Which is clever. Like oh, tit- tits and ass. Tits and ass, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, what am I missing here? And we see Lisa. She's wearing her little lion pendant. She's working at the desk. Or sorry, Harry, I should call her Harriet. And then she gets a call from her roommate. And what does her roommate want her to do? Her roommate wants her to meet up with these two guys. They're going to go see a movie. They see the movie. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the movie is. It doesn't matter. No. But they exit the movie theater. And her girlfriend's like... Now, these guys, they, they proposition them to come up for, like, a nightcap or something. Yeah, and I kind of relate to Lisa in this moment because she's, like, gunning to get some action. Right. Like, you can, like she's, like, kind of eye-fucking the guy. She's ready. She's, she's ready. And yeah. I kind of relate to that because I'm never the friend who's like, oh, we should go home. You know, I'm always the friend who's like, let's go to a second location. Or at least I was back in my day. Yeah. But, like, you know. I was like, well. <laughs> now I am because I'm old and tired. <laughs> But back in my day, no, I would I would be like, no, let's keep hanging out with these weird guys. Yeah. So they go to the apartment. And can we talk about how nuts the apartment is? There's a full jacuzzi tub, like a huge one. Yeah, with jets. With jets. And a motorcycle in the living room. Oh, I forgot about the motorcycle. Yeah. I think one of the things when we talked about this movie before... I think one of the first things I said was it's completely, and I know I brought this up before, but 
I really value in these fuck films, like, realistic plot lines, okay? Yeah. Like, I want to believe whatever is happening, sure. right? So one of the most unbelievable parts of this scene when they're in this apartment is the jacuzzi. Right. Like, it's like a whole-ass jacuzzi. It's not a bathtub. It's like a whole-ass outdoor jacuzzi. But it's, like, built into the floor, kind of? Yeah. That jacuzzi strikes me as a sex club jacuzzi. Yeah. It's, or a spa jacuzzi. Not, like, it's not it's in not, an apartment. It's not in a Manhattan apartment. First of all, how would you even get it up there? I don't know. You'd have to build it into the building. Right. I just, I'm, I'm not a believer. Oh, well, I'm glad you're here to bring the New York eye, the critical New York yeah. <laughs> These New are the important eye. things we yeah. should be talking about. <laughs> so they get there, and then there's two, there's like two sex scenes going on at the same time. Right. One of them with her roommate and Ron Jeremy's character, who I think his name is Richard, is very, like, typical porn scene. Right. The other one is with Harriet and David, who's played by Sean Elliott, and it is not, it's, it's kind of realistic. The one in the jacuzzi? No, not the one in the jacuzzi. The one that's uh, Harriet on the couch. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just fucking around. Yeah, like, and she's, she doesn't take her clothes off fully. She ca- I like when she performatively takes her birth control. Oh, I forgot about that. In front of him, and he's like, you're a real groovy chick, or whatever bullshit she yeah. he says, and she's like, I believe in uh, sexual freedom, or sexual liberation, or whatever the exact line she is. She says, I'm into sexual freedom. That's what it is. I'm into sexual freedom. And she's, yeah. like, very proud of herself when yeah. she says it. Like, she is. So they have, like, I don't know, it looks like very average sex. She's saying things like, oh, you really turned me on, and is that, like, it's good. Is that good? And she's trying to make it kind of, like, hotter than it is, trying to, like, coax some passion out of this guy. And it's just, like, it's kind of, it looks like, it looks like dissatisfying sex, and I think we are supposed to get the idea that she is not satisfied. The porn scene ends with a facial, but the realistic, the more realistic scene with Harry just ends with him pulling out and just, you know, coming on her butt. Yeah, the 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 scene in the hot tub is just it's tough to watch. I think that the amount of tongue happening just everywhere is <laughs> distracting. <laughs> and it's a tongue where you like the tongue is fully out of the mouth. Yeah. And it's just kind of wiggling out there like yeah. a worm. <laughs> the tongue is its own character yeah. in this scene. <laughs> it's almost like the tongue itself is a character (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it just i don't know yeah i don't love it i don't i don't love the hot tub thing also hot tub sex anytime they're having sex like in water Mm -hmm. i don't think it's very good like all i can think about is like natural lubrication being washed away by chlorinated water i don't know if anyone else thinks of that when they see a hot tub sex scene but that's what i think about (laughs) yeah you just don't it does it you don't need to do it in there. You don't need to do it. Go to a bed. Go to the... Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. God damn Grow it. Grow up. Go fucking a bed. Like what? <laughs> Beds are made... For, like, they're made for two things. Sleeping and fucking. They've been engineered, perfected for those two things. What, who, what do you think you're doing? This is what I'm saying. See, this is, this is the point I'm making when I say that pornography... And sex touches literally every aspect of our, of every our aspect culture. Every aspect of our culture. Yeah. yeah. Even bed. Well, Even- especially beds. <laughs> what kind of bed do you have, Claire? I have a very firm mattress. Oh, no. It's almost too firm. Sometimes I wake up and my arms are asleep. I have a Casper. It's incredible. Casper, sponsor us. I have no idea what brand my mattress is. It's like the one I got from my ex-husband when we divorced. Well, good riddance. Yeah. I should probably get a new mattress. <laughs> 
I had a I had a water bed when I was thirteen, like ten or did eleven. You? I did. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I had like a little basement room, and I had this water bed, and it was like huge too. It was like a California king size water bed because I was a weird kid, and my parents were like, all right, if that's <laughs> what you want. Can I just say, I'm not sure how people ever fucked on those things. Like, how do no. you get? Like, you can't get any leverage. <laughs> I wish everyone could see what I'm. I'm undulating over here <laughs> trying to demonstrate what it would look like. We're getting way I feel off like- track. Okay, one last thing on waterbeds, okay. though. I feel like, I mean, surely there was, like, a dialogue at some point about how bad they were for your back, right? I don't know. I don't remember I missed the waterbed discourse. Okay, well. But they're not really a thing anymore. That's true. Well, because they leak. They do leak. And I think once you have a certain amount of body mass, they just can't be that. The buoyancy force can't be strong enough, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially not sport fucking. Anyway, enough enough about the waterbeds. <laughs> The, the end of this scene ends with Sean Elliott, who plays David, saying, wow, Harriet, you're one sexy woman. And something about the delivery is very, it's devastating to me. Like, it, it's dehumanizing in it a way. It is. It's very dehumanizing. And this guy's whole role, like, this is not subjective. Like, his whole role in this scene is to be an asshole. Right. And through to the next morning. Not even, it's, the thing is, it's not even like an outright asshole, just like a very average, mediocre man. He's that, he's that guy you fuck on a one night stand. Right, yes. We've all met, if you're a woman or someone who fucks men. You've slept with this You've slept with this guy and him saying, well, like it's those empty compliments, like, oh, you're real hot at the end. I don't know. Where it just, it feels so empty and feels. hollow and recycled. Yeah, and like, and like they they don't view you as a person. Right. I know that sounds so dramatic. Well, no, but here's the thing: is that this guy leaves in the morning, and he goes, "Don't pick up the phone." Yeah. Also, don't slam. He says something like, "Don't slam the door," and she goes, "Well, he says I'll call you." Oh, right. And then she goes, "You don't have my." And then the door closes, and she goes, "Number." Number. And he also slams the door. Right. Right after telling her not to slam. He's not even following his own rules. I bet he answers the phone when he's home, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but he always typical, answers the Well, man. not always. So then she goes back to the office, and we have the boss, Mr. Arbola. And I don't know if you know this about Arbola. Okay, this is important. He was also in Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, no. What? What do you know about Cannibal Holocaust? Not enough. Well... I don't think you'd like it. <laughs> it's a horror movie. It's a pretty problematic horror movie. A lot of people don't like it. They kill a turtle. They do eat the turtle. They do eat the turtle. What? Arbola, to his credit, did not know that they were going to... He was not there when they filmed the turtle scene, and when he saw it, he was very angry. He was very upset about the turtle. Oh. Yeah. That director... Oh, I forget his name. The director... He's an Italian guy who's very... Quite a character. But anyway, Arbola does an amazing job in that movie acting wise and he's also he's just a very a lot of people say Jamie Gillis is the best actor and I think I said this in the last episode I actually think Arbola is the more natural actor to me he just like it's similar to Lisa like you forget they're acting you well, watch it you don't think that no. well in this movie maybe not as much but we'll, we'll expose you to more of Arbola's he's a good work it's clown town baby well he's supposed to be he's supposed to be a goofy well, to that end, he achieves. Right. Like, I don't think you're supposed to take him seriously as a serious man. Like, I, he is... No. Not in the this boss. movie. Not in this movie. But he 
he really, I think, is one of the more tragic figures in that he wanted to cross over to mainstream acting, and it just didn't work out. He had a bad falling out with his agent that kind of just ended his career, and it sucks, because I think he was extremely talented. And I also think he's very handsome, especially when he has facial hair. He's more handsome in Cannibal Holocaust than he is in this movie. I don't like him with a smooth baby face. Okay. But I know he's not your type, Katie. (laughs) I just, I feel like... um... Yeah. Well, this is also so. This is this is sort of dovetails with when we meet Lucy, right? Because so first he says, "I got to dictate to Harriet. Bring your book," and um, he's you know dictating some letter. And my favorite line in the letter is, "Our organization is solely intended and conceived to make a profit." Andre Pichard, anti-capitalist king. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, he tells Lucy, I've got a very important meeting. Hold all my calls. Don't right, let don't my, interrupt. Don't interrupt. Like something, some bullshit about his wife. And, you know, she's kind of like lightly giving him shit for it. And he's like, you're a beautiful young woman. You don't know what it means to be lonely. Poor guy. When in reality, she's just as, if not more lonely than he is. He is, he has a wife. He has a family. He's. True, but you can have you can have a whole ass nuclear family and still be a lonely person. You know what? That's a good. You just caught me caping for the nuclear family. That's right. Wow, you caught me slipping. I know. For the record, I hate the nuclear family. <laughs> <laughs> but we meet Lucy here. So Lucy strolls in after he's like, "Hold all my calls." The important meeting is with this woman who's a sex worker. Yeah, and the scene is hilarious. I really kind of think it's hot. I just, I... I like the whole, like, my cock, your pussy thing she does, where it's like a freaky fright. You know what it is? It's very, um, it's very running up that hill by Kate Bush. Oh, my God. (laughs) Explain yourself. (laughs) Where she says, if I only could, I make a deal with God and get him to swap our places. That's what she's doing. She's swapping the gender roles. She's trying to experience sex as a man and him as a woman. I do, I'm following. You see what it's I'm a, saying? It's a journey, though. It is a journey. It's it's maybe like a way home. Like, it's it's not immediately apparent, except, you know, to a sharp mind such as it mine. It was an odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a special kind of brain to make that connection. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, all right. But so that, that scene spliced with uh, Lisa's call with, or sorry, Harriet's call with her mother and can you kind of like walk us through how that phone call goes yeah so she's on the phone with her mom presumably I just want to say also I think it's really interesting that she's from the midwest it's very like busty beautiful I mean just an absolutely gorgeous human being corn fed yeah yeah real she's got a real pearl quality about her yeah you know what I mean yeah Anyway, so she's on the phone with her mom saying, like, no, I'm not going to come home. And it's kind of, like, inner spliced with this sex scene happening in her boss's office. Yeah. With the running up that hill dynamic. <laughs> thank <laughs> the you. The Kate for, Bush dynamic. Thank you for running with this. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to tell them what they're saying to each other while they're doing this this exchange. Oh, Lucy and Arbol. Yeah. yeah, it's very much where she's like, she decides, she's like, oh, that's my cock. This is your pussy. 
And when he's like, I'm going to come, she's like clitoral or vaginal. And then she's, and she's like, no, I'm not ready to come yet. She won't let him, she won't let him ejaculate because right. it's her penis. Right. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a little, you know, it's a little mind game. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. He gets off. And also, Lee Carroll, there's something about her that I find absolutely mesmerizing. There's like a mean mommy quality. Yeah. Which is just, which yes. really works for me. Yeah. She's incredible. She, she's incredible here and just the entire The entire movie. The whole movie. You cannot stop watching her. No, she's, she's so fascinating. Funny. They're both so funny. But it's not a comedy. It's a drama. Yet they both are so funny. Right. So yeah, Arbola gets off. Then Lucy's leaving. And Harriet's like, hey, I want to talk to you. And she's like, what does she tell her? She's like, ah, you've seen too many movies. I'm not a prostitute with a heart of gold, That's honey. right. <laughs> Something think, like that. I think she thinks she said, I'm not a hooker with a heart of gold. I'm not a hooker with a heart of gold. Yeah, That's and, what she says. And she's like, you know, what I do isn't exactly legal. Which is like a very good line to draw. And mm-hmm. a good reality check for Lucy. Because she, you know, obviously thinks that like if she just hooks up with this sex worker, like, she'll know how to fuck better or she'll have better experiences. And she's clearly not thinking about the logistics and the reality of what that world is. So it's good that, like, immediately she's like, you've seen too many movies. I don't get advice. But ultimately, she does does tell her, all right, fine, come by right. later. Right. She says, after 6 p.m. No, after 6.15 p.m. No. Oh, fuck it, whatever. That doesn't matter. Cut she gives Eleanor. an exact time. And she gives an exact time, and she says, "Don't be, he- don't come over before this time because right. I have a client." Right. And so then Harriet does go, and we see her in this cab, and we have that cab driver who's just losing his mind about whores. Oh my god! Yeah, he says, "Oh yeah." So we have this cab driver who is just a. I mean, it's incredible comedic relief. Yeah. I mean, just so, it's so random, but this guy is just going off and he's like, this town is festering with sex and danger, danger and sex. And he says something about like hookers and pimps. He and says, and like, so many whores. And so many whores. <laughs> so many whores. And he's clearly very distressed. Yeah. And Harriet's like, oh, and he says like, you know, they lock him up, but then it's no use. They're right back on the streets. And Harriet's like, well, I guess the trick is not getting caught. And he goes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Not knowing that she is on her way That's right. to meet one of the so-called whores he so despises. And she does get there a little too early because the client is still there. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, I love Lucy's place. I love that she has a full bar even though she doesn't drink anymore. Yeah. That is a power move. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's also probably good business because yeah. like, if someone's coming over for sex work purposes, they might be a little nervous, so it's nice to have a, a bar. But right. like... I just think it's so cool to offer someone a drink and be like, no, I don't drink anymore. What right. happened? I want to know more. Why I doesn't know. she drink I anymore? I also wanted to right? know more. <laughs> Which, there doesn't always have to be a reason. That's true. But for the time, that was kind of yeah interesting. Sober culture it was, was not what it right. is today. Right. So it's kind of interesting that that was like written into the script yeah. as part of this like exchange. These details. I know. These details right? Mr. Pichard gives us. Like right? they just make it such a good movie. <laughs> little treats. Little treats. Little <laughs> little chocolate chips and a cookie of this film. <laughs> little pecans. No raisins. There we go. So Lucy is like all flustered and she says like, I knew this was going to be one of my wrong decisions. And I also love that phrasing, wrong decision as opposed to bad decision. Mm -hmm. Like it implies 
there aren't good and bad decisions. There's right and wrong, mm-hmm. and you fuck up. You mm-hmm. made a wrong decision. But anyway, do you want to describe what's going on upstairs with the client? This is with the commuter lady. Oh, right. Yeah, so she's having sex with one of her clients who is a woman, and this individual is a submissive. Mm-hmm. And it's she's there having sex in their own way. <laughs> do you want to describe what do you want me to describe what yeah, that you way is? It. Yeah. So Lucy is shoving her panties in her mouth and fucking her with a dildo. That's <laughs> what's going on. That's right. And it's a good scene. It's great. She's also doing her motherly scorn mm-hmm. bit very well. Yes. Like, look at you. Yeah. Which I think is pretty disgusting. cool. You're disgusting. Yeah, yeah well, you're pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> like all that stuff. Yeah, it's great. And then she immediately follows up. So this woman they finish and this woman starts crying pretty much immediately and it's like part of the whole dynamic like there's like lucy is incredible at aftercare she's like holds her rocks her she's like it's okay honey it's okay sweetheart like you know let's go ahead and get you dressed you can't miss your train but it's like very safe like everyone is there consensually everyone is participating in a way that is like it doesn't feel icky it feels very tender yeah it does feel tender and it's like yeah like you said the aftercare is there and also this is a detail this is a pervert detail for you I like that Lucy wipes her hand on the woman's thigh after they're done. <laughs> this is, of course, the, com- I'm sorry, this is the complete opposite of what you're talking about. You're like, I like that she takes care of her and she's, she's holding her. And I'm like, I like that she wipes her wetness off on her fucking leg. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, like the thing is, is that if you're going to show, show like, a, like a dominant submissive interaction, I think it's important to also show the aftercare that, that is necessary and yeah. normally accompanies that kind of a dy- dynamic between people who know what the fuck they're doing yeah so i appreciated that detail yeah i thought it was nice it is nice yeah and the same we kind of see this translate a little bit to like the relationship between lucy and harriet yeah but like in a little bit different in a different way i yeah, it becomes, I mean, it becomes more and more apparent that their relationship has a sub-dom quality right. to it as the movie goes on, which is also very adorable. Like, it's it's sweet. But those those tables turn. The tables do turn. The tables That's true. turn. That's true. We're getting ahead of ourselves, and I'm so excited to talk about it. But also, we should, we should note that Harriet sneaks up to watch Lucy working with this woman. She's a little sneaker. Yeah. She's, she watches a couple of times when she's not been... She's a sponge for information. That's she's true. She's very curious about promiscuity in all of its various forms. That's true. And it probably, like... Like, it doesn't feel... Occur to her that she's doing anything No, it wrong. doesn't feel voyeuristic. Yeah. But, see, another great detail about the way this film is shot. Mm-hmm. It's... She's not peering. She's not, like, leering. Right. She's not, like, she's jerking just off like, while what? she's watching. Right. Well, yeah. That, too. God, the pervert's commentary, Claire. It's just, <laughs> yeah, that's true. She isn't jerking off while she's watching. That is um, a fact. But she's also, like, it's like she's just more, and this speaks to Harriet's, like, her character's just incredible acting, the yeah. actress who plays Harriet. But she's just kind of, like, watching and absorbing, like, what's happening. In a kind of innocent way. There's, oh, definitely. There's an innocence to Harriet. Although that, the the dynamic of, like, that, 
character was a little bit confusing to me because we're made to believe that Harriet is kind of like sexually like adventurous, but like clearly a little like she's not repressed. She's not repressed because she clearly has like sexual agency, but she like frames it when she's talking to Lucy as being like really inexperienced. And she's like, you know, I want to like feel all of these things that I've heard about. I want to have sensations and you know, and then she walks upstairs at one point and she's like, Lucy has another client coming over and she's like, grab the dildo. And Harriet's like, what's a dildo? What's a dildo? Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, some of it's like, it's... Well, in her own words, she says, when when she, when the, the first client, the commuter lady leaves, they're talking about it and Lucy's like, all right, what what are you, why are you here? What are you trying to do with this? And she, and she's like, like, you know, kind of implying she's not experienced and she goes, I'm not a virgin. I've had some affairs. Right. Which I love that I've had affairs. some affairs. I, I get the idea she's a woman who's had a lot of missionary sex with one night stands. Right. Like she's just had a lot of boring sex. And she says, I want a sensation. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants to feel something. Mm-hmm. And then Lucy's asking her about her, her fantasies. And she's like, oh, I have you know, wild fantasies, amazing fantasies. And she's like, all right, tell me. And she's like, unspeakable fantasies. <laughs> and then she drags him out of her. And it's just like threesomes. Two Women. guys. Having sex with a woman. Right. Like, pretty standard fantasy. She wants to be spit-roasted. Yeah! It's pretty standard stuff. Pretty standard stuff. Right. I, yep, pretty standard. (laughs) (laughs) And then the the fucking guy calls, and he wants to fuck a pair of tits. Right. And Lee Carroll, well, sorry, Lucy says, oh, honey, you know, my tits aren't big enough for your big cock. Which, first of all, I looked it up. Lee Carroll had double Ds. That was, I was going to say, what she's really doing is she's just setting Harriet up for her first, like, sex work transaction, really. Right, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, we're, like, she is a tiny woman. Lucy is teeny tiny. She is tiny, but she's a, she does have big tits. She has huge tits. Yeah. Like, she was perfectly capable of servicing this man. Oh, absolutely. Um, but she's teeing up the exchange for Harriet. Yeah. And, I mean, the guy, I think he knows what's going on. Right. He, she, she's like, oh, I've got this new young girl, and she's got incredible tits, which she does. Right. And she's like, but it's going to cause you extra, because I'm going to help you fuck those big, beautiful tits. <laughs> and he's like, fine. Can't argue with that. And then we get to the thing where she's like, all right, he's going to be here in five minutes, grab the dildo. And she's like, what's, what's a, a dildo? dildo? She's like, do you see the thing that resembles the male penis in right. its erect state? Right. That's a dildo. She's so annoyed. Yeah. Which, you know what? Fair. If you have no idea what a dildo is, you have no place. Well, I don't know. I honestly, I get it. The frustration is and legitimate. In the, in it's the validated. Eighties. We're in the early eighties. Like that's. It's, you know, you can't just Google what a dildo is. Well, yeah, but this is also like. I mean, fuck films are in theaters. You that's know what I true. mean? Like this is like willful ignorance at this point. I love what a historian you are now. Well, I'm just saying, fuck you know films what I mean? are in theaters. You know, I'm just <laughs> saying you can literally go to the theater yeah. and go see a porno. Right. Yes. So it's it's inexcusable as well. To not is. know what a dildo this is. This woman was not doing her homework. That's true. Before she, she approached just shows this up sex and worker. expects this lady to teach her everything out of the kindness of her heart. That's right. Feed her out of her hand. Yeah. But I do like when she she's like going down to the Lucy's going down to greet the guy. She's like, these tits better be real. <laughs> and she's like, they are real. They are real. Yeah. And they're magnificent. They're great. And then we have this uh titty fucking three-way. The guy 
does not seem he really seems just like a John to me. He doesn't uh, seem like a he doesn't he's register like as a, a foreign actor to me. Faceless ghost. He's just a guy I with a mustache. Recall a single thing about his anything. He had a mustache. Just a very average guy. Yeah. And I think that he's supposed to be. Yeah. Good his casting. name is literally John. Yeah, it might be. Like, I think he's supposed to just be... You're you're not even supposed to really acknowledge that he's part of this threesome. I mean, in the sense that, like, yeah, sure, okay, right. Like, oh, she's, like, she's she's giving him... Uh, so, Lucy, uh, Lucy is basically jerking both of them off at different points. Yeah. While Harriet is giving John a rim job. Yeah. He tries to fuck her tits facing her face. Right. And Lucy's immediately like, no, turn around. Right. And she's like, tongue his ass. Right. Which is pretty, it's a pretty steep, she's being thrown into the deep end. Yeah. It's a baptism by fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that like, but it's good. She's like, she, what she's doing, Lucy is testing her to see yeah. if she has the balls to get into this for real. Yeah. And what she says before John comes over, you remember what she says? She goes, I'm not going to pay you. Oh, yeah. So this woman is out here licking this guy's ass. For, for the, free. For the love of the game, baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she... <laughs> I mean, but at first, it's very tentative ass eating. Like That's, she, well, it's true, but she's she's she, she gets in there. She's she, getting in there, she's getting in there by the end. She does because she, she gets into it, and then she starts getting turned on, and then there's some re reconfiguration of a position or whatever. And she says, "I want him to fuck me," and Lucy says, "He is fucking you, baby." I love that line. I love it. Too. I love that line. He is fucking you, baby. He is fucking you it's, because it's so. It, it's just like it's perfect. It captures that there are so many different ways to have sex. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I wrote too. Very inclusive. It's very I, inclusive. Yeah. It was very. Um, it's yeah. not it heteronormative. Was, it was progressive. Yeah, in the same way that Lucy having having a bar in her house, a fully stocked bar while being sober, was just like progressive. Yeah, I think there's a lot of progressive details. Yeah. And yeah, and also just her delivery of he is fucking you baby. He is it's just like great. It's just yeah. I just I love Lee Carol. Yeah, she's, she's just love amazing. Her. She's mommy. <laughs> she is mommy. She's she very mommy. mommy. And then at the end we have kind of the callback where Harriet says, "Was I good? Was it good?" which is what she's looking for in that first scene. Mm -hmm. Right? She's looking for approval and the guy's like you were incredible and they both just give her like very sincere very sweet praise again this isn't like again with the aftercare though i have it like underlined several times <laughs> in my notes like throughout like this first part of like our interactions with lucy like great aftercare <laughs> great aftercare <laughs> yeah but like i think that is one of the things she like, this is like one of the feelings she was looking for mm -hmm. is being told she did a good job she wanted to be told she was a good girl who doesn't. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I swear to God, if anyone tweets you're a good girl at either one of us, I will come for you in the night. <laughs> oh, uh, man. But I just think it's such a sweet ending to like a really good scene. And then we have like an even, if, it, if it's possible, an even cuter scene where the guy is gone and they're having like, well, this is the moment the movie passes the Bechdel test where they're talking about 
like how hard it is to have time for friends and how their friends always think they're brushing them off because they're so busy with work. And then they both go, I'll call you. They, they're like, yeah, Harriet has her back to her and she spins around. They both point at each other and they yeah. say, I'll call you. I'll call you. And yeah. it's so cute. And then Harriet, of course, forgets her earring. Right. Which gives Lucy a reason to call her. Right. And then they meet at a bar. And here is where we see more tests, right? We see a little bit of class baiting. Mm-hmm. We see a little more of this like dom sub. It's like a humiliation kind of mm-hmm. kink thing is what I think we start to see unfold. Whereas like Harriet's sitting at the bar, Lucy bursts in and just immediately starts telling this very graphic story about an enema. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you remember some of the details of that story? No, I forget. I do re- remember specifically though that like people in the bar are kind of like looking over like they're like yeah the some fuck? some guys are like giggling right. people are giving them looks. I mean I guess we don't have to go into the details of the enema. Basically like uh, the enema tube I think gets like clogged or something and then it just explodes. Anyway, an enema gone awry <laughs> is what it is. I don't think we need to get into we, the details. We could just leave it at that. The enema didn't go well. And she's telling it intentionally very loudly. Yeah. She's trying to embarrass Harriet. She's putting on a show. Yeah, which is funny. But Harriet, like, takes it pretty well. She kind of, like, you know, Mm -hmm. puts her head down for a moment, but then she just, like, continues having a conversation, and she asks Lucy to help her set up a three-way, and what is Lucy's response to that? She's like, you don't need, she's like, she wants two guys, and she's like, I don't need, you don't need me for that. Oh, right. Like, a woman can get two guys. She's like, stare at them. Yeah. Yeah, there's two guys over there. And can I just say, they could not have picked two more surly looking motherfuckers. Like, they're not surly, just like pouty. They just look like grumpy. Yeah. And they're just being kind of bitchy. Yeah. Like, they're bitchy little men. <laughs> they're bitchy little men. And they yeah. just stay bitchy. The yeah. Whole, even when they're getting their dick sucked, they're right. still being bitchy. But before we get to that, yeah, she stares at them and they come over and they're like, why are you staring at us? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just didn't, real, didn't know why two guys could be having such a bad time in a bar like this because they, they're, like, arguing about some business shit mm-hmm. or something like that. But then they go back to Harriet's place, and <laughs> this is uh, one of my favorite lines is they're like, oh, is Lucy going to join in? Oh, no, they ask Lucy what she does. They ask her what they do for a living, and Harriet's like, I'm a secretary. And Lucy says, I sell livestock. Oh, yeah. And she's wearing, like, a fur coat. And she has platinum blonde hair, brilliant red lip. I sell livestock. And they're like, really? She's like, yeah, very expensive, very choice livestock. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to Harriet's place. And they're like, oh, are you going to join too? And she's like, I'm a lesbian. Harriet's trying to show me how wrong I am. And I think that's our vibe a little bit. She says, I'm going to watch though. Yeah, she does watch. But, and she kind of snickers throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. She's giggling the whole time. Mm-hmm. I do like the moment where Harriet winks at her. Oh, yeah. During the threesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But when Harriet's like, she starts to get cold feet, and she's like, I just think there should be some feel, like, when three people are about to have sex together, there should be some feeling. Right. And Harriet's like, no, this is why people have threesomes, to stop the feelings. That's right. Yeah. She's like, she's like, that's why people who do threesomes do threesomes. But can I just say, point of order. That's ridiculous. to me, <laughs> are can be fairly emotionally charged, depending on your role in the threesome. Like, if you're the third coming into an existing couple, fine. That's, like, whatever. That's Mm -hmm. just fun. I hate being the linchpin between the two people. Like, I hate bringing people together in that regard because I feel very responsible for everyone's feelings. and Like, I just want to make sure everyone's having a good time. 
mm-hmm. which brings up more feelings. You're for just me. happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're worried about like pissing someone off. Yeah. Or like, uh, like what if they don't like it? You know, yeah. it's just, I think you got to have four and up in a yeah. group set. To stop feelings, you need at least six people. Right. Three is not enough to stop feelings. You need to make it into a sport. Right. <laughs> yeah. But besides that, Lucy's advice has been flawless until this point. Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't think uh, Harriet catches any feelings during this threesome. No. That's actually, from the scenes that we see with her where she's having, well, really sex with anybody that mm-hmm. she's having sex with in this movie. Like, she's, like, clearly looking for some kind of, like, sexual gratification or, like, validation. Right. But is like, seems to, like, come away from these intimate relationships with like very little like she just doesn't seem to be happy about it yeah she's not getting necessarily what she, i mean I she's think not that first satisfied scene, i think like, the first scene she does get satisfied when she gets told she gets a good job after the titty fucking oh yeah well that one for sure that one yeah. for, this one maybe not so much she's looking at lucy a lot it does seem like she's doing all the work in this threesome yeah the guys really aren't no, they're just They're not out. bringing very much. They're no. just there. And they're arguing up into the point they start fucking. Right. And even when, like, I forget if it's Mark or Bob, because, like, Harriet, I also, she calls one of them the wrong name. I can't keep them straight either. Right. But, like, one of them is just mean mugging the other one while he's getting blown by Harriet. And, like, he's just, he's staring. There's, like, several shots of him just staring at the, the other also, guy. this is something gross, like, Right up before Harriet starts having sex with them, where one of them's like, oh, I could have, like, basically I could have pulled her anyway. Yeah, yeah, by myself. Why are we paying for this? She's probably a cop, is what they say. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, man, fuck you, man. Fuck you, man. Also, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's not true, dude. It's absolutely not. And also, if that's so true, then why are you here? Right. What are, what are you doing? If you right. can pull so easily, go pull someone else then. <laughs> go, yeah. go pull someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. But I do like when Harriet winks at Lucy. Lucy's giggling. She ends up getting both the guys off with her mouth. But it, it looks like an, an okay threesome. It's an experience, mm-hmm. which is actually part of the tagline of mascara. The expectation, the experience, the climax. Right. That's on the poster that I have hanging in my living room. I will say this threesome has one of my least favorite pieces of dialogue in it, which is when Harriet says, I can taste his chest hairs, Lucy. Oh yeah. (laughs) This is the right mango take two of this episode. Yeah. Just the line that just like, (laughs) why, why there? Why for why do you say that? (laughs) What is the meaning of this? It reminds me of like when someone, you know what it is? It's someone who has not done a lot of dirty talk, trying to dirty talk. Right. I can taste what's in my mouth. Chest hairs. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Fuck. She just rolls with it. She gets it done. She does a good job. Then we have the sleepover, which Lucy changes the sheets, which is very nice. Yeah. And then she's like, can I stay here and Harriet? Listen, Lucy throughout uh, is a consummate professional. Yep. She is very by the books Uh for like every single scene. Uh She's just, she knows what the fuck she's doing. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, I love that detail. She I love changes, that detail. She, she changes the sheets. Yeah. 
And then she's like, hey, can I stay over? Because it's really late. And Lucy's like, oh, I'm not ready for that. Harriet, you mean? Sorry, yeah. Harriet's like, oh, I'm not ready for that, which was the wrong thing to say. Right. And Lucy gets really weird about it. Yeah. And I think rightfully so, because she's like, like, I don't want to fuck you. I just want to sleep. She's right. like, I don't want to go all the way back to my place. And then, yeah, she says, I don't want to fuck you. I just want to sleep over. What do you think I am? Some kind of dyke rapist pervert. Right. There's a lot of harsh words. Right. Starting together. But it's, you know, it's calling out biphobia is what it is. That's true. But it's also, I think, kind of harbors a little bit of maybe she's projecting a little bit because mm-hmm. we can tell at this point, by this point in the movie, we can tell that, like, there is something that... Harriet has that Lucy is very much about. Oh, yeah. And we kind of see this for the first time with the earring. And she's like kind of just staring at the left earring and like thinking about like, should I call her? And it's got very much like the like early stages of dating. Like, should I call her? Should I not call her? Like, it's like that like new love, like uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I know? You know what I mean? So she she's clearly hurt by one, I guess. The assumption that she would only want to stay over to fuck. Which, absolutely fair. But also probably feels a little rejected. Right. In the same moment. And then she launches into this whole thing where we get some real class baiting, where she's like, you know, basically, like, you don't know what it's like to do what I do. Sometimes, like, you think you're just doing a quick trick with one guy, and there's another guy there, and you're super freaked out that you can't eat, like, you can't even keep saliva in your mouth, and, like, sometimes you get fucked in the ass when you're not expecting it, and, like, just basically lays out all this trauma which is all valid. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure stuff she's gone through. And then you tell Harriet's just kind of like <laughs> stunned. Like, did not expect that all of that from just being like, I don't want to fuck. And then she gets mad. She's like, you didn't even come with those two wonderful guys. Were they wonderful? They were awful. They were terrible. Yeah. They were not wonderful. Which, again, I think goes back to this, like, Lucy is just having a fucking moment. Yeah. She's, like, ha- she's projecting a little bit. Yeah. She's, like, clearly, like, Harriet's rejection has, like, triggered something in her. Yeah. She's kind of having a little meltdown. Yeah, she has a little meltdown. And then Harriet, in an attempt to make it better, is like, do you want me to give you head? Again, not, not the, the right, right thing. thing. <laughs> And she's like, don't do me any favors. And then it looks like Lucy's going to go down on Harriet for a moment. Like right. she, she kisses her down there briefly. Right. Right. And then Harriet kind of like. She like tenses up. Tenses up a little bit. And then Lucy's like, yeah, fuck it. And like rolls over and goes Like to really sleep. aggressively so. Very aggressively. Which I think, again, gets back to this kind of like dynamic between the two where it's like something's like going on with Lucy like she's got like a real affinity for Harriet and Harriet's just kind of like she's just she's just happy to be there yeah (laughs) wherever you put her yeah yeah Harriet's just she's almost like a puppy yeah she is like a puppy she's just a sweet puppy and the things she says that are offensive she doesn't mean them to be She's not trying to, she's, there's not like a malicious bone in her she's body. She's got a heart of gold. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's a hooker with a heart of she's gold. She's the ho- The real hooker with the heart of gold was in her all along. All along. <laughs> the hooker with the heart of gold she was looking <laughs> for was inside of her all, all along. And the friends we made along <laughs> the way. <laughs> but the many, I think. The friends being the many dicks. All the dicks. <laughs> The real friends were the dicks we saw along the way. (laughs) 
But I think in this next scene where she's like the, what do I call it? Teal dress time. When oh, she's in that absurd yes. teal dress, which actually I think is kind of a sleigh. No, it is. <laughs> it is. She looks fucking great. She looks incredible. Like, and the costuming in this movie is so great. Mwah. Like she's wearing this teal dress. Lucy has on a robe that basically is like almost the same color. Yeah. Use of mirrors in this movie is insane. The mirrors in the mirrors. in Lucy's apartment are like just the way that they capture scenes is just beautiful. I love a clever use of a mirror. I know. Yeah. And I'm just saying. I think in this scene we start to we we solidify the fact that this is a subdom relationship with like a humiliation bent to it. But we also kind of like I think we get to why Lucy was so upset in the last scene because she's talking about dominants and submissives and she says something about the sub having all the power and Harriet's like, how could the submissive possibly have any power? And Lucy says, without a willing submissive, there can be no dominance between consenting sexual acts. And then she's like, I can't believe I just said that. But that's kind of like what we see in that last scene is like, even though she's been kind of doming the shit out of Harriet, Harriet's still the one who has the power. And that's kind of like really driven home when she's like, I don't want to fuck you tonight. You know, I don't know that I'm ready for that. Like, I think that kind of crystallizes their relationship. That Harriet is the sub, but she still is the one holding the cards in a lot of ways. She's, she's not the sex worker. Right. You know, this is just her dipping into this world to satisfy a personal... Do we know at this point if Harriet's getting a cut? Well, we know she did end up paying her after the titty fucking... Or she said, like, you can have half. I know, but Harriet said, no, I don't oh, want Oh, yeah, she it. didn't take it. She didn't take no, it. No, I don't think she's being Once paid again, at all. Once again, she's here for a good time. Yeah. Yeah, she's here for the experience, not to make any... And it's Lucy's job. Right. Which, again, there's a power dynamic there. Right. Where... Harriet does have the upper hand. This is not her source of income. But in this scene, Lucy seems to have gotten over her little meltdown. She's gleefully getting Harriet ready to send her to a different dominant woman. Right. She's got a lot of makeup on, a dress that is very scandalous, low cut, high cut, all the cuts. (laughs) You know, she's got on like fishnets, heels, red lipstick. Her hair is very big. And Lucy's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And she's like, well, maybe you want to humiliate and punish yourself. And she's like laughing. If you want a little like glimpse of, and you haven't seen mascara and you want a little glimpse of what this looks like, this dress and this image of the two of them getting ready for this event that this journey, this journey (laughs) that Lucy's about to send her off on is actually the header of our Patreon. It sure is. And it's got one of those mirrors. That's right. It has one of the mirrors. It has the clever use of a mirror. Right. But yeah, you should check out our Patreon. We have new tiers listed. We sure do. Claire's going to show feet. Claire might show feet if you, if you, uh, <laughs> if you, if you go to the right tier, it's not cheap. It's a terrible deal. I'll say that. It's not a good deal, but if you really want that. It's a bad deal, but a good time. Yeah. Eleanor, our producer, will also show feed. <laughs> so you get host feed in. Well, one half. One half host feed. Mm-hmm. And full producer feed. That's right. <laughs> 100% producer feed. 50% host feed. That's 150% feet. Yeah. We're mathing it out That's now. That's feet math for you. That's right. But anyway... Going back to teal dress time, when Lucy's like, maybe you want to just humiliate and punish yourself, Harriet's like, I want to come. Which, that's not just what she wants. 
No. She she does. She likes being humiliated a little bit. She likes being pushed around. Yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that's fun sometimes. So also there's a fun moment where she realizes the other, the dom she's going to is a woman. And she's like, you didn't tell me it was a woman. And like Lucy's laughing about that too. And then she gets in the car with the husband of the dominatrix played brilliantly by Bobby Astor, who literally was called the crown, the clown prince of porn. And such a fun time to watch. Yeah. This scene with the dominatrix and her husband, I think, is comedy gold. It's, like, I know it's supposed to be a drama, but for me, it reads as comedy, <laughs> and it's a very fun time to watch. Well, I think it's supposed to be, if not funny, at least very fun. Mm-hmm. It's also hot. There are some very hot moments. Yeah. And there are some... But I think the funniest part is when she gets into the car, Bobby Astor's already in there, and he's like, oh, I need your ear. He takes her earrings and puts on her earrings and then, like, borrows her lipstick. He's like, I lost my lipstick. It has to be done right or she'll be mad at me. Right. And then when they get to the house, she's like, why are you wearing lipstick? She's like, I hid your lipstick. Oh, right. (laughs) So, like, he's already tricked Harriet into being part of some mischief. Right. (laughs) Like, they're being bratty together now. And then he's also wearing, like, a girdle. And she's like, why are you wearing a girdle? Like, where are your pants? <laughs> Put on your pants. <laughs> like, so immediately, he's just crown prince. Crown. He's clown princing That's right, right off the bat. I love him. Him and Samantha Fox, just a power couple of being, golden age porn. Being bratty. Yeah. And he's just so funny. I think, like, one of the things I like about Bobby Astor so much is that, like, you don't, you don't see guys like him in porn now. What do you mean by that? Like, he's just like a normal looking guy. What are you talking about? There are plenty of just normal ass dudes in porn. They're all that way. But now, like, you see a lot of, like, guys who work out a lot and, like... What? Maybe I'm just thinking of gay porn. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, those men are beautiful. Those men are, like, chiseled. I don't know. Like, he's just, like... He's like a short king. He was like five a six. Short king. <laughs> he's like kind of old. Yeah, like he's just he's just like a funny guy with a good dick. There you go. And I like that. That was the like that was the requirement back then. Is you just once like, again progressive. Yeah, I just love this him. film. Is really ahead of its like time. who is the modern day Bobby Astor? Can you name a modern day Bobby Astor? I don't think you can. But also to be fair, I don't watch that much modern porn, so maybe I'm talking out of my butt. Could be. Could be. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I do love the dominatrix, the dominatrix's apartment. I don't know if you noticed the goose lamp, the lamp that is shaped like a goose. Uh, I didn't. Huh. Did you notice that the couch was really cool? No. My ideal couch is that couch. It's just very deep and very big. It's like a big, almost like a conversation pit style couch. And then there's the coffee table that has like, it looks like hands are holding the glass. It's just full of weird shit. <laughs> like, yeah. You know how much I love weird shit. That's true. You do love your trinkets. The whole thing is that there's so much happening in this scene that I think that I just wasn't looking at the interiors, which is interesting because when I was watching... The opening of Misty Beethoven, that was pretty much all I was paying attention <laughs> That's to. all you liked was the interiors. Yeah. Well, and now I'm looking at the interiors. That's but right. the goose lamp really caught. How could I ignore a goose lamp? Right, we've got to find you one. we got to find me a goose lamp. It's just very good vibes in there. And then she comes out and she starts playing the piano and kind of just reading everyone for filth. Mm-hmm. And she calls her a lot of names. She's very mean to her. She's very mean. She's a mean dominatrix. She's a mean mommy. Yes, she is. She calls her a common whore. Right. And I like 
in that moment, you can see like on Harriet's face that she like is a little bit offended, but then knows like, oh shit, I shouldn't be offended by that. Right. Because not only does she have a relationship with a sex worker now, she's kind of being, she is acting like a sex worker. Like she's not getting paid, but she is kind of going, she's being sent on sex work assignments. Mm -hmm. So like she can't really be offended. But I like that little glimmer, like that little flash of like indignation across her face that quickly subsides. And it's little moments like that where you're just like, this woman is an incredible Incredible. dramatic actress. Incredible actress. And then she also calls her little Miss Cunt face. She also says something about bovine at some point. And I was like, wow, this lady's mean. (laughs) (laughs) She is. And and that's like, I remember before she goes out, Lucy's like, oh yeah, she's not going to hit you. There's not going to be any whips, no chains, no spanking, nothing physical. And what is there instead? Just pure insults. Well, insults. And then there's also a strap on at the end. There is a strap on, but it's not like a violent strap on like you know it's nothing painful no it's nothing no nothing it's racy no it's all very like consensual and that is the thing i with this s&m scene is you note that every step consent is given and actually she calls out harriet for touching her boob without asking first right which is just good orgy etiquette honestly right and she chews her out and she was like how dare you assume what I want to give yeah. me pleasure. Yeah. And she like is very, very aggressive yeah. <laughs> about it. And I also like, I mean, this is kind of a, this is kind of a dirty little trick, but she's like, what do you want to do? And she's like, give you, give you pleasure. And she's like, and why is that? She goes, cause then I will also receive pleasure. She's like, so you admit you're being selfish. You want right. to receive pleasure. Right. A little dominatrix trick. I love that. Yeah. And then she has her, she has Harold, Bobby Astor's character, eat Harriet out. And she says, pay attention because that's how you're going to eat me out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that whole ordeal happens. And then, you know, she's like, oh, you haven't been trained yet, have you? And she's like, no. And she's like, you mean no, ma'am. Right. And then later she says, you know, ma'am again. And she goes, not ma'am, mother. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then we do a hard 180 right. to where she's like cradling her head and right. basically simulating breastfeeding her. Right. Stroking her head. Right. Like be- saying all these sweet, nice, motherly things. Right. And then we do another hard 180 and she's like, I'm going to fuck you now. Right. <laughs> I mean, the the whole scene is, it's a ride. It is a ride. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place, but not in a way that feels chaotic it's just like there's there's a lot there's so many things that they partake in it's orchestrated chaos it is manufactured chaos like but clearly but everyone's consenting everyone's present yeah everyone is happy to be there having a good time yeah i love i love the shots where she's like holding harriet's face Mm -hmm. and and Harriet Lisa DeLeo is like kind of pouting. Yeah. And looking a little bratty. She yeah. really like falls into this bratty role. Yeah. Which is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really hot. And I'm not even like a huge S&M person. Like when people start ordering me around, like it usually just makes me laugh. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But I, I like this scene. I yeah. think it's a really well done S&M scene. And you know what? I think there's, <laughs> I have a theory. The dominatrix has a gap tooth, a gap in her teeth. And I really think that people with gap teeth, they fuck. Have I told you this theory before? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is the first I'm hearing of this. Wait, well, tell me more. I just, everyone I've ever known who has a gap tooth, like, they fuck. They f- in what way? <laughs> well, they just, like, they're just good at, good at sex. Wow. Anyone I've ever fucked. And, you know, it could be a correlation equals causation thing, but it's just, <laughs> it's just a theory I have. Well... Uh, gap tooth gang unite. Yeah. So you know? if you have a gap tooth, don't be weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we need to encourage that. No, but I have that in my notes. Well, Dog has go. a gap tooth. I think people with gap teeth fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was important enough to write down. It warranted a note. Oh, but then one one key thing I think to note in this scene is she gets the the dominatrix gets a strap on. And she said, you can be fucked by Harold if you want, but he's going to fuck you in the ass. Mm-hmm. So she's given the option of either get, getting fucked vaginally with a strap on or fucked by Harold in the, in the ass. And what does she choose? She chooses the dominatrix. Yes, she does. Mm-hmm. And then she blows Harold. And they come at the same time, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The dominatrix does not come. To my knowledge, no. Not that I clocked. Mm-mm. And then, oh yeah, and then right after the two of them come, she's she's immediately like, Carol will drive you home. Get out of my house. Right. (laughs) You have served your time. Goodbye. Time to go. Yeah. (laughs) And she looks kind of bummed out. Right. She Uh, wanted to hang out. She wanted to hang out. I think she misses Lucy. Yes. Because up until this point, Lucy has been there. Right. For all of her experiences. Right. And provided like an after, the aftercare you talk so much about. I think she's missing that. And then she goes to Lucy's place. Well, something happens along the way that I think is worth noting here. Oh. So she goes in the car and then she's out on the street and it's like morning. Oh, right. right. Yeah. And she's like out on the streets of Manhattan. It looked like almost, I want to say like Chinatown. Oh. But it's tough to say. Again, it's almost like the city itself is a character. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's like walking around or like near Broadway, I guess, downtown. But she's like walking around. People are going to their jobs. They're like turning and looking at her and like just kind of like clocking her yeah. as a sex worker. So she is like very much taken on this like identity in a very real way. And, and I it's, bet. And it's it's gross. Like it gives you the, like it gave me anxiety like watching well, that. She does make it back to Lucy's apartment, but Lucy is not there. Lucy's not there. But there's a married couple there. Well, no. They're, they're about to get they're married. About to, they're, they're about to, they're about, yeah. They're and about to be a new couple. Is Lisa Centrice, who we got to talk to earlier in the episode. That's right. For a little historical background. And mm-hmm. the full interview will be available for patrons. Yep. And you should definitely check that out. It's going to be great. It, it is great. Uh, it's, it's great. <laughs> it is you great. You should, app it, please, I mean, support the pod because we're trying to get this thing off the ground and that would be awesome. But, but also because Lisa is a very interesting woman. Yeah, we're going to do more of these too. And how cute is she? Oh, so cute. Yeah, I know. So cute. I love, I love her little pink outfit. I love her kind of like coy mannerisms. And I also like when she's like, oh, you know, Lucy's letting us, use her apartment and we're, we're about to be married and Harriet's like, great, congratulations. Right. Like very aggressively. And then she's like, all right. And then she's like, we're going to go upstairs. And Harriet's like, okay, I'm just changing my clothes. And then Marianne is her name, played by Lisa Centrese, goes, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just like kind of like shrugs her shoulders Later. and like goes upstairs <laughs> yeah. to fuck. And then we have sneaky Harriet again. Right. She sneaks up to watch them. 
again, not in a way that's like gross or leery. She's just no. kind of like curious. Curious. Yeah. And we also have at this point Lucy. We see Lucy trying to call Harriet. She's calling Harriet's apartment. Of course, Harriet isn't there. Harriet is at Lucy's apartment. And while Harriet is watching this in love, soon to be married couple fuck, she's having these kind of auditory flashbacks, hearing Lucy's voice in her head. Mm-hmm. And at one point, at one point, Marianne sees Harriet watching her and like smiles at her. It's right. a very like kind of like a knowing, sweet smile. Yeah. It's it's a nice moment, actually. Yeah. And then we hear Lucy saying, just let go, baby. Right. Just let go. So Harriet leaves. She's back on the subway. We see Lucy getting out of a cab with a suitcase frantically, like trying to catch her before she gets on the subway. Lucy gets on the subway. The subway pulls away. She clocks Lucy running after her. She smiles. And then what does she do? She lets go of the handrail. She lets go of the handrail. And I get chills. I know. (laughs) Doesn't it make you want to cry? It's It's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Especially because like, these two women, we never actually see them have sex. No, but they have a very special, this is going to sound so fucking corny. Forgive me. Please. I'm so sorry in advance. But they have a very special love between the two of them. They do. It's like a very unique dynamic. It's like very precious. And again, I think that this goes back to like, I think the tables have kind of turned here. Like Harriet's really come into like her like sexual agency. Like I think she kind of like owns her like sexuality by this point. Lucy has like, is, I mean, for God's sake, she's like running after her. She's running after, you know. And yeah, everyone kind of wants to be chased a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And she smiles because she's happy that Lucy actually cares about her. Right. Like, they clearly care about each other a lot. And I do think it is romantic. I think it is a romantic love. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, oh. I think this is this film is pretty gay. Yeah, it is pretty gay. Yeah. I've said this many times. Yeah. I've been saying this, you, you might even say. You have been saying this. I love this film. Well, I was just going to ask you. You like that? I love it. I love this film. I'm so glad. Yeah, I it's one of my favorites. See, and... Doesn't this feel better? <laughs> this is a nice time. Even this better. This a nice time. After being subjected to, to the wall-to-wall blowjobs of Misty not Beethoven. Be, I'll not be watching Misty again anytime soon. But you'll watch this again. Well, yeah. Yes. And then we have many more to watch here coming up. We I'm sure, sure you have a long, long list, but I'm ready for my next assignment. So I, we'll see. I do have quite the list. And if you would like to follow along... Please subscribe to the pod. We are currently on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We are waiting to be published on Google. Maybe by the time this comes out, we will be on Google Podcast as well. We are also on Twitter at you like that underscore pod. Yeah, and we have a Patreon. Unfortunately, the Patreon is not searchable because it is adult content. So you, if you go to our Twitter, the link for the Patreon is there. It's a little too slutty for Maine. It is a little too slutty for Maine. Um, But yes, it is linked in our Twitter bio. It sure is. And if you subscribe to the $12 a month level, you actually get to pick a film for us to watch and discuss. I would love to get some feedback on what we should be talking about on the pod. There are so many Golden Age films. So, so many. So many. And I have my personal favorites, but they all tend to skew towards Gillis. And I know Katie doesn't love Gillis. Yeah. God, (laughs) give us something, anything different. He's in a lot of movies, I know. though. It's He's gonna, prolific. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be hard to avoid that guy. God. Yep. Thank you for listening, and stay sexy. <laughs> <laughs>